Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 150. Yeah. On Now You Know. Brought to you, as always, by our amazing Patreon patrons. And by our friends at the Fairfield Inn and Suites by Marriott and their sister hotel, the Town Place Suite Hotel, right next door. These are both in Schaumburg, Illinois, which is a really cool location because it's mm -hmm. near Chicago, but it's also near the airport, and it's near the second largest mall in America. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, and they're solar-powered. And by Ecoware.us, where we've got new designs uploaded every week in including this new Tesla one, which I really like. Mm -hmm. And we are carbon neutral through the life cycle of your product, and we plant a tree for every purchase. All right, so let's get into it, Jesse. Elon says that Tesla should be worth $100,000 to $200,000. And not, not everyone believes this. Yeah, uh, that's true. So Quentin Nelson tweeted to Elon. He says, not sure if joke or just really dumb. These are absolutely not appreciating assets, and saying otherwise is a fool's errand. Elon responded, If we make all cars with full self-driving package self-driving as planned, any such Tesla should be worth one hundred dollars to $200,000 as utility increases from 12 hours a week to 60 hours a week. Now, the argument didn't stop there. Quinn went on, Elon, I like you, but this makes no sense to me. Unless the MSRP of these cars increases to 200000 which we both know isn't happening. My car is a commodity and will continue to drop in value. It may one day generate revenue for me, but that doesn't make it an appreciating asset. And Elon responded, straw man fallacy. To appreciate, your car just needs to be worth more than you paid for it. So probably $75,000 is enough if you bought a Model 3. Full self-driving will be bundled in all cars. Important point. Something is not a commodity if you can't make enough of them and we won't be able to. So I just want to point out what a straw man fallacy is, because a lot of people watching might not know. It's a form of argument based on giving the impression of refuting your opponent's argument while actually refuting an argument that was not presented by that opponent. So I think the problem here is that most people don't believe Elon when he says the cars are going to be full self-driving. Therefore, they are just like, cars can't appreciate in value because they're just cars. As we talked about in our in-depth two weeks ago, um, Elon said that the price of the Teslas are going to go up once full self-driving is a thing. So this this argument that he brings to the table of like, oh, well, my car is never going to be worth more than what I paid for it because, the you know, the price of the car is never going to go up. And in fact, it is going to go up. On August 16th, the price of the full self-driving package will increase by $1,000. Right. So... That means that if you wanted to, you know, get in beforehand, the value would go up by $1,000 just over the course of a couple weeks. Right. And a lot of people are saying that when they go to sell their cars, that people aren't willing to pay more for the full self-driving that they've already gotten in the car. And that is because the cars don't fully self-drive yet. You right. have a future package. And so that, again, goes back to the point of, do you believe this is true? It's kind of like if I said, uh, I got this pen here, Jesse, and I've just invented a way to turn it into a jetpack so I can fly. Um, and uh, when I turn that on next week, it's going to be worth a lot of money. Now, you would probably look at this pen and go, I don't believe you, Dad. Right. It's just a pen. I'm just going to pay 10 cents for that pen. Whereas if someone out there believed me, they'd be like, I'll buy your pen. Uh, five bucks, 10 bucks. How much? Because I know it's going to go way up in value. Right. And that's what's happening with these cars. Full self-driving seems like it's just completely A, impossible, and B, the regulators will never allow it. So it's not a thing. So 
it's it's just not going to happen. And and that's the argument that I would have expected uh, Quinn to take is right. oh I don't think that that will happen. Therefore, my car is never going to go up in value. Right. Instead, he's implying that um, when full self-driving happens, that all these other car manufacturers will have it too. And therefore, you can just go any dealer's lot and buy a full self-driving car. And then that's the only way that that would actually work, right? Is if if tomorrow every car had full self-driving capability, which it won't, it'll only be Teslas and Teslas are quite supply limited. Right. I mean, there's a billion cars on the road today. Tesla makes, if we're lucky, 500,000 cars. So you can see that until... Basically, every car manufacturer can do this, too. The value of these cars is going to be worth a lot. It's kind of like when you build a supercar and you build, you know, a small run of like 100 or 200 of Mm -hmm. them. It means that their value is very, very valuable. And they might even appreciate in value as people crash the other ones or if people are just like, wow, that car was really great. Exactly. All right. So Audi has started a guerrilla marketing campaign for their e-tron. Cool. I think that's awesome. I mean, uh, I... I love marketing campaigns for electric cars, so I, I don't know how they could mess that one up. That's great. Well, uh, they're marketing their cars at Tesla supercharging stations. Uh, as you can see here, they've kind of iced a Tesla supercharger with an e-tron. But, I mean, has Audi talked to Tesla? Have they made the e-tron work at supercharging stations? No. So what's it doing in a supercharging station? Exactly. They're trying to basically sell their e-tron to Tesla owners. They figured, hey, let's go to spots where Tesla owners will be. Let them drive the car. Maybe they'll fall in love with it. And I mean, do you think Tesla owners are going to fall in love with it? Well, I mean, let's talk about the range. The Mm -hmm. e-tron has 204 miles of range. That's less than the 2012 Model S. So I don't think they're going to fall in love with that. Uh Uh, You're not going to be able to pull into like the Audi supercharging stations because they don't have those. Right. Um the acceleration is way lower than a Model S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, why would you fall in love with it? Now, I understand that the the range isn't as high and it doesn't have as much acceleration and it doesn't charge as quickly. But I think that the Audi is still a, a fairly compelling car. It, it's very quiet in the interior. And, you know, the interior itself is very luxurious um and i think that there's a lot of people who would be interested in buying a car like this who could afford it and i think that those people would be audi drivers you're saying they should go someplace where audi customers congregate right where is that uh an audi dealership would probably be an ideal place to sell your audi e-tron because you have the audi brand which is strong for audi drivers because they they obviously like your cars enough to buy them. Um, and all you have to do is say, hey, are you environmentally conscious at, at all? Do you want a car that's even quieter? Uh, do you want even more luxury? This is the future. Why don't Any they of do this that? Stuff. I, well, <laughs> I could feign ignorance here, but I know exactly why they're doing this. They don't want to sell the Audi e-tron. All they want to do is try and mitigate their losses to Tesla because Tesla's come in and taken a giant glob of their market share. And I'm not talking about their e-tron market share, I'm talking about their luxury car market, which is basically all Audi does, right? They sell luxury cars, far and away most of them are gas burning cars. And Tesla's come in and slashed their market share. And they need to put on this appearance to the people like us who are watching this show, that they are electric mobility minded, that they want to sell these electric cars but they do not have the capability to produce enough electric cars to, if they had put them in the showrooms, 
you know, if they put them at the dealerships and Audi drivers were like, whoa, what is this? And they're like, yeah, let me take you for a spin. And, and Audi drivers were going like, wow, I think I'm going to switch over to this. This this sounds great. I'm going to be saving so much money on gas. If they did that, they would not be able to produce enough e-trons because they do not have the battery manufacturing capability to do so. So what do you do if you're Audi? You go to Tesla supercharging stations. That's the only way to do it. But I think that this is a ham-fisted way of doing it. You're trying to sell a car that is worse than the 2012 Model S in terms of, you know, some pretty important stats like range. So there's a Swedish tech millionaire who started Xshore in 2012 to build electric boats, and they have spent 10 million euros to launch their first boat, the Elex 8000. This has a 24-inch touchscreen, 220-kilowatt motor, which is 299 horsepower, and it costs 300,000 euro. Um, now, they are aiming for the sub-100,000 euro market, but, um, yeah, this is a luxury boat. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, tell me what it's, what it's got. What's going on here? So, it is 8 meters long. It has a 0.8 meter draft, which means that it's, it can go pretty deep. Oh, so it's a very deep boat. Um, it has a top speed of 40 knots. It has a cruising speed of 25 knots, and it has a range of 100 nautical miles, which is 185 kilometers. That's really cool. I mean, those are good good stats. Yes, uh, excellent. I don't think I can afford the price, but um, no. they spent 3,000 hours testing at Rolls-Royce's marine engineering facility. See that space behind, you know, in the second half of the hull where mm -hmm. the shaft is going to the propeller? Yeah. That's all, when they're going high speed, is creating an air cavity so that the uh, shaft can turn in air instead of water, which makes it more efficient. And I guess that air cavity means you don't have, you know, water slowing down the boat? Right. Um, that's, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so I mean, it's got lots of cool innovation in engineering. Like, for instance, interlocking teeth of the cogs have powerful opposing magnets so that the teeth never touch, which reduces vibration, friction, and noise. The main idea here is it's an electric boat, right? So it should be vibration-free and silent even at high speed. So they went to great lengths to make it that way. Okay. Um, even the rudder was designed to be small, which means it's more efficient for high speeds. But now you might be saying at slow speeds, a small rudder doesn't turn your boat enough, like when mm -hmm. you're in the marina. So to get around that problem, they innovated this. They use a pressurized water jet system with a nozzle at each corner of the boat to steer at slow speeds, like when you're in a marina. And this is all to be fast and efficient. So I mean, to me, it, it's great. I mean, it's that's really cool. The problem is, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to afford one. Or, or want to spend that much money on a boat, period. Yeah, I mean, what, what we learned on the electric sailboat that we went on in New Jersey was mm -hmm. that um, for not that much money, you can put a battery and a motor into a boat that used to have a diesel engine, mm -hmm. and you've immediately gotten the efficiency, the price down, uh, a lot of space back. Like, in, in the silence. I mean, they, exactly. they went for so much work to try, I mean, magnets in the gears, right. just putting an electric motor in a regular sailboat, it's already silent i mean could you hear the motor could you hear it kick on at all no so i mean that's that's what i'm saying like and, and i mean i even remember as a kid we had an electric outboard motor you just hooked it up to a 12 volt battery and it was silent well that's my argument why aren't there more manufacturers going after just the average boat consumer the you know the guy that just wants a boat to put on a lake for like the a summer. pontoon boat exactly doesn't right. need a huge range it could it get you know as long as it goes around the lake for four hours i think you'd be fine you put could, some solar on the on the canopy because i mean i went to bass pro shops a few weeks ago and i got on a pontoon boat and i asked the salesman i'm like can you get this in electric and he's like oh electric that's wicked expensive yeah, you can't. No, nobody does that. Propane. Now we can do propane. And I was like, uh, why is it so expensive? Just right. a motor and some batteries. Right. 
so yeah, I think it'd be smart to go after just the average Joe uh, market because it's kind of like golf clubs. If you give me a really expensive top of the line golf club, I'm not going to be any better golf player than I was with a crappy golf club. Right. I'm going to feel better about myself maybe and, right. you know, strut out onto the golf course with like, <laughs> look at my thing. This is and then titanium I'm gonna... borzonified technology. Right. And then I'm going to suck. Right. Right. American corporations are good at just continually selling you, you got to have the best golf clubs. Right. No, you don't. Just go play golf and have fun. Right. The same thing with a boat. Just go and stop polluting everybody. Right. Have fun on the lake. You don't need to have the top of the line boat. All right, hot days are coming, Jesse. Uh, hot days are here. It was 100 degrees out yesterday. Yeah, it was. I mean, I had to spend the entire day in my nicely air-conditioned car because my house air conditioning could barely keep up. The Union of Concerned Scientists has issued a new study that finds that the number of hottest days is going to increase dramatically in the next few decades. Quote, we are facing a potentially staggering expansion of dangerous heat over the coming decades. Now, to illustrate this, they've included these charts, which show data from 1971 to 2000, which you are seeing here. So what we're seeing here is historical data in the U.S. Um, of days that got above 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So as you can see from this legend here, Jesse, mm -hmm. um, the deep colored red, which is down in Florida and Texas, those are days that got above 90 degrees for at least 101 to 200 days a year. Wow. Okay, so as you're seeing, that's what we expect. The it's summer, you, right, that's, you know, the summer is, is hot. Yes. All right, so now what they show is if we do nothing about global warming, this is what the country's going to look like in the later part of this century. See a difference? Okay, so I mean, we're, we're reliving Massachusetts. That's going to be 50 to 100 days a year that are 90 degrees and above. Right, whereas before it was more like 1 to 25 days. Right, I mean, it's been hot this past week. And it's been just about 90, but like it was only yesterday that it was like, this is hot. This is like almost 100 degrees right. almost everywhere. And it had an effect. I mean, everyone had to stop what they were doing. All right. So that's 90 degrees. And as we know from 90 degree weather, that's, you know, you want to go to the beach. You want to just lay low. You know, you can handle it, but it's hot. Like you're not going to want to do any physical activity. Right. You definitely don't want to be doing any roofing. Right. You definitely don't want to be doing any, any gardening, right. anything any physical activity outside whatsoever, exactly. bad idea. All right, let's go to 105 degrees. So this is historical data that you're seeing here now. And mm -hmm. this light yellow obviously just shows that um, those are, you know, one to 10 days a year are historically over 105 degrees. Okay, so that's to be expected. Mm -hmm. There are some hot days. Um, but this is what happens late in the century if we do nothing about global warming. So do you see a difference there? Uh, Yes. So, so Florida, which went from, you know, 90 degrees during the, the summer, now goes to basically 105 degrees during the summer. Or above. Or above. 105 and above. Right. And, and that's an important point. And so now we're looking at, you know, Massachusetts having 11 to 25 days, but we're also looking at like the rest of the country having about 50 days a year. Or 50 to 100 days. 50 to 100 days a year with days over 105 degrees. Now, 105 degrees... I've, I've only been in a few places that hot. Uh, I remember being in Winslow, Arizona, mm -hmm. back when you were a baby. Mm -hmm. It was 106 degrees. And I got out of the car, and I was like, oh, my God. 
where I'm going to die. I have to find an air conditioned space quick. Right. And, I, and I just literally ran 10 seconds into a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Your brain stops thinking at that temperature. You cannot do anything without air conditioning. It's extremely dangerous yes. at 105. I mean, air conditioning has trouble keeping up at 105 right. degrees. But you know, let's go one step further. Let's look at their off the charts historical data. This is 127 degrees Fahrenheit and above. So we're looking at the United States. Let's load that map now. So this is the historical map. Did it load? It looks like nothing. Okay, there's just one section. Yeah, that's basically Death Valley, right? Right. Yeah. So a little bit of the desert ever gets that temperature. The rest of the country never sees those temperatures. Okay. Now let's look at later in the century if we do nothing about global warming. So okay, 127 degrees Fahrenheit days. N air conditioners cannot keep up with that. It's never been that hot here. No, I've never felt that. Aside from when I, you know, stick my hands in an oven to, to get something out of the oven. The, that means the entire wherever you are would have to basically come to a complete standstill. People would have to just, you know, go into basements and just hide out until the temperatures change. There's no way anything can take place in these temperatures. This is desert temperatures. And and I don't think that air conditioning can keep up at all. No. I don't like I was in I was in a mall yesterday, a big mall, mm -hmm. and many of the stores could not they, they were warm. And they were saying like, yeah, we can't keep up with this. And this was just a 90 plus day. 127 degrees. And we're looking at parts of the country where it's going to be that for more than 50 days a year. Yeah. And even Boston, we're looking at that being the temperature, you know, 10 to 20 days a year. So that's, that's insane. In that's insane. Even one day a year. So, I mean, even if you're like, well, you know what? I won't be around later in the century. So screw you guys. Well, you probably have children. You probably have grandchildren and you're what are, you, are you saying that to them? And this isn't just happening in the United States. No, this we, is just a map of the United States, but this is happening all over the place. And this is what the Union of Concerned Scientists say. These changes amount to four to 20-fold increases in population exposure from 107 million person days per year with a heat index above 37.8 degrees Celsius historically to as high as 2 billion person days per year by late century. Now, you might be saying, Zach, what is per... What is person days right so that's each person each day so if you have a, if you had a city with a hundred people in it and it reached over 37.8 degrees celsius then that would mean that that was a hundred person days right it affected those hundred people now we're talking about affecting two billion person days by the end of the century that's just insane i mean look at the headlines that happen whenever there's a heat wave right and, and not big heat waves we're talking about like maybe a hundred degrees right people die lots of people die Okay, because you can't, your body is not made to keep up with that kind of heat. Right. And we are going to be seeing it freaking everywhere. And this is, and I encourage you to head over to the site. We'll put the link down below because basically we can change that map. Right. They have buttons on there that show you what would happen if we do some slow changes, if we do some fast changes, so that you can get an idea of this isn't going to happen for sure if we do something about it. Right. We can prevent this from happening. Now, we need to do it now. And speaking of what's happening now, Tesla just put out these new maps of their superchargers that are coming all around the world. And they're gonna be coming pretty fast. I mean, check this out. We can see here in Europe, there's a whole bunch of new superchargers coming in through Spain and France, moving east into Hungary, Poland, Romania, Serbia, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, and Ukraine. Places we've never seen supercharging before mm -hmm. are starting to get it. Places like Iceland, who've never had supercharging, are now getting three superchargers, so you can drive around that island. California is getting a whole bunch more. The Midwest, the East Coast of the US, even China is getting a whole lot more. Right. Like, 
crazy amounts of supercharging, which we report to you on the show every week. Right. I think it's so important that that happens because, you know, it'd be one thing for Tesla to make a supercharger network that can span the country, this one thin thread where right. you're like, oh, I can conceivably drive across the country and they could stop. That could be their little PR stunt of like, well, you can drive across the country in a Tesla. But they went further than that. You can drive everywhere in a Tesla. I'm, not everywhere yet, but I mean, you the places that they have superchargers, they don't rest on their laurels. They don't say, okay, you know, you can charge your, your car here in this one spot. They're making more locations. And they haven't been stopping doing that since we started the show. We have every week reported on new supercharger locations. That's right. So Jesse, do you like Indiegogo campaigns? Uh, they're fun to look at, usually, but they're sometimes questionable. Yeah. Well, check out this. This is an Estonian company called Noba, and they're producing the Noba 100, which they started this company in 2016, and they're now running an Indiegogo campaign selling their three-wheeled electric car, and, uh, well, it can do this. You can drive up a wall? It's so lightweight that you can park it on a wall. Now, I mean, basically, you wouldn't want to park it on a wall, but they're showing how lightweight this thing is. Oh, with, with some... Some yeah. stuff. You yeah. can't just like, no. and here we go. But, <laughs> I mean, if you had a tall garage and you wanted to save some space, I suppose. So. It's true. And and if you wanted to make sure that all the stuff in your car, all the crap in your car, ends up in this nice conical point at the bottom of your car, well, yes. at the back slash now bottom of your car. So, basically, after you're done parking like that, you're like, oh, well, <laughs> that's where my sunglasses were. I knew I had left them somewhere in my car. It's so nice that my car can get turned up on its end to to you, dump all the stuff out you know why else is good what keeps your teenagers from making out in the car okay i didn't realize that that was a problem and it's a very small car it is uh yeah. it's a cute car though i mean it's very cute and if they implemented this in cities it would be very cool yeah i mean so you can get this car for twenty nine thousand dollars on this indiegogo they're only selling uh, 10 of them at that price they're going to be coming out with these what they call nano factories which would be tiny factories that can produce about two thousand cars a year so that they don't have to like make a car and then deliver it thousands of miles they'll just make a nano factory where they need to make it which hmm. i thought was pretty cool um, and this car will be coming out in january of 2021 it has a 54 kilowatt motor in the base version a 72 kilowatt motor in the gt version um, and it'll go to 210 kilometers or 130 miles with the base version um, with a battery pack of 21 kilowatt hours. And uh, if you want to get the GT, you can go a little further, 260 kilometers, which is 162 miles with a 25 kilowatt hour battery. Again, I think that there is a use case for this kind of cute car. Yeah. Especially if you can go park it up a wall. So Tesla came out with their new autopilot safety report. This is the fourth safety report in a row. So now we have four consecutive quarters of data. So I pumped all those numbers into a spreadsheet and I came out with this. Huh? Can you read it? I don't get it. Can all we right. talk about it? Well, I put it into a graph. Here's the graph I made. Does that make any more sense? It's a little hard to read. Huh? I mean, I can see. All right, I can so see some lines. I understand. I hear you. So I hunted around Twitter and I found uh, Gerard Galasso put together this really cool infographic, which I think shows my data a whole lot better. Mm -hmm. Check this out. So the basic idea here is this. For every 498,000 miles that the average driver in the United States drives, there is an accident. In a Tesla, though, if you just hop into a Tesla, it doesn't have autopilot. You don't turn on any of the safety features. Just get in a Tesla. Mm -hmm. You go 1.4 million miles before you get into an accident on average. Get into a Tesla without autopilot, but turn on the, the active safety features like automatic emergency braking. You go 2.1 million miles before you get into an accident. And then lastly, you get into a Tesla, you turn on autopilot, you got the active safety features, you drive 
2 million miles before you get into an accident on average. So statistically speaking, it's safer to be driving an autopilot. And right now, autopilot is six times safer than the average car in America. Like, that's just mind-blowing data. As Elon says, no matter how one considers the data, there is a giant improvement from non-autopilot to autopilot. Now, I would put in a small caveat to that, which is if you're an autopilot, you're most likely on a highway. And most accidents happen not necessarily on a highway. Most lethal accidents happen on a highway because you're traveling so fast, but most just accidents in general happen at lower speeds True. with more complicated you know, turns. With autopilot, you're on a highway. Things are pretty stable. Most people are driving pretty well um, because you're just driving in a straight line. So that, that can make sense. But the, I think that the real kicker here is getting into a Tesla without the safety features turned on, it's still twice as safe, almost three times as safe as just your average driver. Yeah. I don't know how that works. I think that it could be the instant acceleration, which means that if you're seeing like, uh-oh, this guy's coming at me, you can and get right out of there. And let's just look at this uh, graph that you made. It looks like the car's got less safe the past two quarters, and then this quarter they got safer. Why could that be? Yeah, so I want to point out that this is quarterly data, and you have to keep in mind what's going on in that quarter. So in the United States, we have uh, weather, right? We got winter. So in winter, you get less sunlight. So days get darker quicker. So people are driving in darkness more. They're driving in icy road conditions, snow, sleet, and so forth. So you're going to see this lumpy data every year. As winter comes, you get more accidents. Um, that's just par for the course. And that's whether you're in a Tesla or not. So Morgan Stanley analyst Adam Jonas recently reported on Tesla's Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai after a team from Morgan Stanley visited. He reports, our China team's view of Tesla's ability to ramp domestic production and to take commercial share in the domestic Chinese market is more bullish than the forecast implied within our earnings model. That is analyst speak for... We did a bad job of analyzing this. And, oh, looks like... Tesla's going to do a lot better than we analyzed because we were wrong. Yeah. But we're not going to say that. <laughs> we're not going to say we were wrong. We're going to say that. And then this comes in the report. Tesla will be the leading luxury EV player in China. That's so funny because I didn't see any news headlines that said that on any major news network. No. Because you know what? That's a news headline. Just Pull that right out. Tesla will be the leading luxury EV player in China. Hello? Um, hello? Yeah. That's the largest car market in the world. Yes. But the FUD continues. They expect Tesla to produce 35 to 40,000 vehicles at Gigafactory 3 in 2020 and 60,000 in 2021. Now, if you're just listening to those numbers, you'd be like, that's great. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. But keep in mind that Elon wants to produce 3,000 cars per week by the end of this year. But Morgan Stanley says they don't believe this will happen until 2022. They say, we expect China to account for less than 200,000 units of deliveries to Tesla annually by 2022. While we anticipate significant pent-up demand for Tesla's locally produced vehicles in the People's Republic of China, longer term, we expect the Chinese EV market to remain highly competitive and see Tesla's China volume peaking at 254,000 units sold in 2024 before falling to the 160 to 170,000 range by 2030. 2030? 2030? What? That's more than 10 years away. How can you say anything? I can't predict anything that's going to happen in 2030 unless it's like this long, slow progression of 
temperature and sea level rise. That's the only things that you can actually somewhat predict. Right. Well, and they just got it wrong in the period of like one month. So how are they going to be right for right. 11 years? They just years? said, oh, we were wrong. We were we were uh, bearish when we should have been more bullish. Oh, gobbledygook. But we don't think the Tesla's going to do well. Uh, they're going to do much poorly than their predictions say. And then it's going to get worse by 2030. 2030? Do <laughs> what? Because do you know that like Tesla's going to have all these other cars coming out? They're going to have a Roadster and they're going to have a Model Y and they're going to have a pickup truck. I mean, right now we're just talking about the Model 3s and the Model 3 is going to get better by 2030. It's 10 years away. The well, Model S, right? The Model S from 2012 has gotten better, so much better since then and gotten cheaper. Now, well, there could be the argument. I know that some people are thinking this right now. Tesla is going to go to China, and this is their biggest mistake because China is going to steal everything from them. They're going to steal their ideas about battery management. They're going to steal their ideas about autopilot, maybe. Who knows? Even if they do, a Chinese company would have to reproduce the Model 3 in every perfect aspect in order to make a Model 3. Right. It would have to be as safe. It would have to have the same battery management system. It would have to have the same battery chemistry and technology. They'd have to have a supercharging network. They'd have to have a supercharging network. It would not happen. Right. But let's talk about luxury brands. Right. Tesla is the luxury brand, as Morgan Stanley said, in China. So when you're a Chinese person thinking of buying a car, your first choice, if you can afford it, would be a Tesla. Right. Even if there are some knockoffs, you're going to first choose the Tesla. So Lotus just unveiled their new all-electric hypercar, the Lotus Avija, which they claim is the world's most powerful production road car. Starting price, Jesse, mm -hmm. is $2.1 million. <sighs> this would make it the world's first pure electric British supercar, and that's fitting because the name Avija means... I don't know. What the hell does Avija mean? means the first in existence. In what language? I don't know. Lotus Cars CEO Philip Popham said at the official unveiling in London, the Lotus Avija is a car like no other. It will reestablish our brand in the hearts and minds of sports car fans and on the global automotive stage. It will also pave the way for further visionary models. All right. So what does this $2.1 million get me? Okay. It gets you four motors that can produce bursts of 2,000 kilowatts of power. Sick. 70 kilowatt hour battery pack and a 98% efficient powertrain, which was developed as a joint venture between Lotus and Williams Advanced Engineering. 250 miles of range on the WLTP standard, charging of up to 800 kilowatts, but of course there is no 800 kilowatt charging at the moment. So Yet. at uh, 350 kilowatts, you could charge to 80% in just under 12 minutes. That's awesome. Uh, top speed of 200 miles an hour or 320 kilometers an hour and zero to 60 in under three seconds and less than nine seconds to get to 300 kilometers per hour. Now, Lotus will only be producing 130 of them. I want to point out that for that price, mm -hmm. I could buy eight Tesla Founder Series Roasters, one for each day of the week and an eighth one just to have <laughs> laying around. Just on Saturday, you'd let right. me drive one. Okay, um, well, 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 okay. I understand where everyone's coming from. We're looking at that 70 kilowatt hour battery pack, and everyone's going, What? That's so small. I can see why they did that. It's to, it's to reduce the weight. Um, I've been in a Lotus Elise. Um, I can pick it up. I can't. But I mean, it's <laughs> real. I'm really close, right? You know, if I went to the gym, I could probably lift the Lotus Elise. And I think that they're going for the same thing here. The lighter the car, the easier it is to turn. So, 
I think that this is going to be a track beast. You're going to bring this to the track day and drive it around a track. Awesome. That's the only people who are ever going to drive this. And the rest of them are just going to leave it in their garages because obviously you buy something for $2.1 million and you're not going to want to risk smashing it into anything. No. Again, I think it's important that we have cars that we can be like, wow, I just, oh, it's so cool, um, that we don't buy. I think that that's fine. I think that that's cool. I think that there are people who like Lotuses. I think that there are a lot of British people who like Lotuses. You can tell me in the comment section down below. And having a, a really zippy, turny race car is more important than having the fastest zero to 60 acceleration time. Right. Or the, or the range, right? Because the track usually isn't that long. All right, it's time for the lightning round. Go. Toyota and BYD have made a deal. They announced that they are going to make electric sedans and SUVs for Toyota in China for the Chinese market under the Toyota name in the first half of the 2020s. Quote, to curb global warming, both BYD and Toyota seek to reduce CO2 emissions by promoting the widespread use of BEVs. To accomplish these goals, both companies believe there is need to put aside their rivalry and collaborate. Therefore, the two companies have agreed to jointly develop BEVs. And I just, I think we should read between the lines here. Let's just spread, spread the lines apart and let's see what they're actually saying. No, normally, Don't really care about global warming. <laughs> right. That's, That's, first of all, no. no. They care about money. They care about money. They see that the Chinese market is bananas for electric cars. Right. Toyota's saying, hey, can, hey, China, can we make a, a factory here in China and China's going, no, you could partner with one of our, you know, state companies. But wait, Tesla got to have their own factory? And Tesla somehow pulled that off. I know, that's incredible. Do you realize they're the only car company that got to build their own factory 100% owned by Tesla? They didn't have to partner. They didn't have to partner. Toyota has to partner with BYD. What BYD gets out of this is the Toyota brand. They right. know that that's a good brand in China, so they're going to get to stamp that on the car. All right, so when first revealed, uh, Elon said that the Roadster's timeline was probably 2020 for release, but mm -hmm. now the timeline seems to be slipping. So Fred Lambert from Electric said, how about Tesla Roadster hover test, or would that break the internet? And Elon said, maybe end of next year. So does this mean that the production of the next generation Roadster is going to be in 2021, end of next year, 2020, if they're doing tests in 2020? Or is the SpaceX package going to come after just the regular old Roadster? I have a bigger question. Elon, we talked about last week, said the nozzles for the thrusters are going to be probably subtle and behind the license plate. Mm -hmm. So if we do hover this car, I thought it was going to hover like, you know, like we thought, like four, four tires on the ground, then it slowly lifts off. But does this mean that you have to turn the car 90 degrees and hover it that way? No, there's going to be multiple nozzles for this. So it is going uh, to be able to hover, uh, which is good because, I mean... And we talking like hover for a few milliseconds? I think it's going to be... I mean, look, this is the guy who's landed rockets on, on drone thing. ships, so I think it's going to hover, hover. Okay. Which is why I think that the SpaceX package is going to come after the Roadster test, because developing a very fast car takes a while. Um, but then taking a, a car and then making it into a little rocket ship... I, no one's can, done that before. Can I park on the roof? There you go. It would be very good to get to the top of parking garages. All right, LV gets 24 V3 SCs. What? I'm trying to be hip with acronyms. Don't try to do that. Right. That's, we're not, 
strong with acronyms or right. being hip. All right, so Las Vegas is going to be getting 24 version 3 superchargers. So check this out. This is uh, going to be located next to the high roller at the Link at Caesars Palace. They're going to have 24 of these super duper superchargers. That means they put out 250 kilowatts of power. They can charge up to 1,500 cars per day, and you'll be able to get 180 miles of charge into your battery in 15 minutes. Right, and, and they're using solar and battery storage. So I think that this is perfect. Right, you have all the high rollers coming out of the high roller casino. I don't know. I've only watched Ocean's Eleven. They come out of the thing and they go, "Whoa! I see the whole system here. You got yeah. solar, you got batteries, you got cars. That's oh, that's all you need." And I just made a few million in the casino, right. so I'm gonna go uh, build some of these myself. Right. Time to time to make it a less risky investment. All right, so on July 24th, on Wednesday, Tesla will be announcing their earnings for Q2. Now, will Tesla be profitable in Q2? That's the big question. We asked our patrons on Patreon, and here are the results we got so far. So 198 say yes, profit. 40 say no, no profit. I'm going to guess that they make a small loss. Okay, that's your prediction? Because Elon has said that they he didn't really expect this quarter to be profitable. I hope there's just a small profit this quarter. I'm, that's keep my fingers for if that. If there were a profit of $1, I think it. that would be like sick. Yeah. But, I mean, they did break their delivery record. Yeah, I think there's a chance. But they did that by, you know, I don't make, know. I doing think, some difficult things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote profit. Anyway, we'll probably be reporting on this on in-depth on Friday. So Toyota will be building 200 of these. These are all electric shuttles for the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. Now these are called accessible people movers or APMs, and they can carry up to five passengers. They have a range of 100 kilometers and a max speed of 19 kilometers an hour. Five people is not a lot, but I do like that you could fit a wheelchair on, on one. I yep. guess it would have to be configured for it. Well, why aren't these a thing now in all cities? Like if you travel to a city I can picture these working perfectly well in like San Francisco or, or LA, like just moving around, moving people around the city. Right. Or at like Disney World, yeah. you know, like, cause they have the trams at Disney World, but they are not electric. Right. They smell pretty bad. <laughs> Anywhere where it's like, we want to move people around our campus. Yeah. One of those would be great. It's basically, I mean, it's, it's a golf it's, cart. It's a golf cart. It's basically a golf cart that you could fit a, a wheelchair on, which right. I think is, Sick, we need more of those. Yeah. So, hey, Jesse, mm -hmm. you know how parents and teachers are always talking about uh, raising test scores? Yes. Well, I've got a way to do it. You retrofit smelly diesel school buses to become electric buses. You know, that's a good goal. It's going to, you know, uh, help uh, avert this climate crisis. Um, but I don't think how it's going to raise test scores. I've got some science to back up my argument. Okay. So a study just released in the journal Economics of Education Review stated, we demonstrate positive effects on respiratory health measured by a statewide test of aerobic capacity. We also find that retrofitting districts experience significant test score gains in English and smaller gains in math. Our results suggest that engine retrofits can have meaningful and cost-effective impacts on health and cognitive functioning. So what you're saying, let me just get this straight, that I went to school every day when I was a kid and I got on this loud diesel school bus. I could hear it from a mile away so I knew that I could sleep in an extra 14 seconds, right? I get to the bus stop, the bus pulls up and this, this I remember in the winter, you get this warm wafting exhaust that would just, ah, oh, good, I'm not freezing out here at the bus stop with no jacket because I'm an idiot, right? 
oh good mm, warm but in it what was actually happening was i was breathing it in and my brain was going Bleh. and i'd get yeah. to school and i'd be like Bleh, right yeah and not to that extent but well kind of you're saying yep test scores are going to go up yep. if we replace diesel the diesel trucks that we drive our children to school in yep. with trucks that won't pollute them every day and you know what else i'm saying it costs money to retrofit those, yeah. but it's been shown that the money you spend on the retrofitting, you'll get back in the maintenance and fuel over the life of the bus. So it's basically a wash or even saving money, and your kids are healthier and they're smarter. The wheels on the bus go, your brain dumb, your brain dumb, your brain dumb. Yeah. The exhaust pipe on the bus go, <coughs> all the way to school. I want to remind everyone that because Q2 earnings are coming out on Wednesday, if you are a Tesla shareholder, you still have a couple days to vote on say.com. Um, or even enter your own questions for Elon that'll be coming on the quarter's earnings call. So go over to say.com if you're a shareholder and upvote or put in your own question. Chevron spilled 554,000 gallons of contaminated water and 240,000 gallons of oil that seeped out of a steam injection well in the Simric oil field, which is about 35 miles west of Bakersfield, California. And uh, I thought it was interesting that I only started hearing about this as viewers started sending me this information. There's only this like grainy photograph. Um, that's about all the news that's out there about this. But it happened in May. Why are we reporting on it now? Uh, because the mainstream media either doesn't care or wasn't uh, told. Wasn't told. Something that big. I mean, imagine if one day it was like Tesla just spilled 800,000 gallons of battery fluid. <laughs> right. That everyone would be like up in arms about right. it. It's true. And yet we just continue. Oh, okay. Even even I, who care? Eh, oh, great. Kind of expected it. Eh, crap. All right, so solar panels today cost about $3 a watt. So a 300-watt panel, like the one we've got our desk here on, uh, would cost about $900, right? What if I told you, Jesse, that this panel could cost $10 instead? Cheap desk, huh? <laughs> yeah. So printed, flexible, organic solar cells are being developed by Professor Dastor and his team at the University of Newcastle. They have no toxic ingredients, and they are printed out onto plastic sheets instead of glass, which keeps the cost down. So we're talking about six euro per square meter. Wow. And that means you can put them on practically anything because they're flexible. So you could make a school bag out of them. You could put them on your shirt. You could mm -hmm. put them on the top of your car. Um, there's still a lot of research that needs to be done. But isn't this promising? Like as soon as you say to the world that solar is a good thing, you get all these really smart people who start working in their individual fields to develop. And it's not just that like, oh, suddenly the smart people care. It's that just everyone has a different experience. Everyone has a their own experiences in the world and so if some guy has been working on printing with the you know organic stuff and he's like oh i was gonna make a, a tv screen out of it but you know solar is this popular thing that everyone wants to do and there's money in solar i'm gonna turn my attentions over to that and solve that problem that part you know that guy could have just been like yeah you know i'll just keep making my little you know organic printed thing over here doing something else right instead of focusing on what is a great solution and one that I'm excited to hear more about. Yeah. So Nissan releases an electric pickup truck in China. They have partnered with Dongfeng. So again, another big company having to partner with a Chinese state-owned company. They're releasing the Dongfeng Rich 6 pickup truck next month in China. Uh, this will have a double cab, so it'll seat five people. has a range of 403 kilometers or 250 miles on the NEDC standard. So those are not real numbers, but... but you know, you know, it's it's probably going to be over 200 miles per exactly. inch, which is fantastic. Fantastic. It has a top speed of 110 kilometers an hour or 68 miles an hour, which helps with the range. And largely in China, speeds are not an issue. So mm -hmm. 
Um, and then the price, get this, after subsidies, could be around $18,900 for a five-seater pickup truck. China's getting wow. the goodies here. This is awesome. I'm so mad that we can't get them here. Yeah. Now, I can understand, um, you know, maybe safety isn't like the top priority sure. or something. And so that's how you can get the price down. And the subsidies are helpful in China. Yep. Very helpful. But again, the subsidies are there, right? It's not like they don't exist. They are there. So when people are like, oh, but it's expensive. If, if people care enough to put subsidies for electric cars, not only do you have subsidies, which help people buy the electric cars, but you also have big market players going like, crap, we could make an electric pickup truck in this market because the subsidies are there. That's how it will work. We're here in the United States and we really don't have an electric pickup truck to speak of. I mean, yes, there's Workhorse, yes, Bollinger, yes, Rivian, Tesla's going to come up with one, but they can't buy them yet. But, you know, even if you take away the subsidies, even if this thing was $25,000, I mean, that, that for many people price. in this country right now and all around the world would be like, that fits my needs perfectly right. for what I need a pickup truck because for. Because you are going to be saving so much money on gas. Yeah. I cannot stress how much money you're going to save on gas, especially, I mean, and it totally depends on where you live, uh, whether you're going to be saving 75% or like 97%. Right. Um, but there are some places in this country where, where, you know, and especially municipal power, where electricity is so cheap yep. that switching to an electric car is, makes more sense than anything else you've ever done in your life, yeah. practically. It's like, oh, I could just put all my money in a pit and burn it instead of putting it in the bank. Or I could just put it in the bank. Huh. That's, I never thought of that. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. And these are stories that you yourself can go out and shoot and share with our audience. Uh, just has to be two minutes or less. Mm -hmm. Shoot them with good audio. Don't put any music in them. And uh, tell us about something going on in your neck of the woods. So let's see what we got this week. Do you know Mallorca has absolutely no superchargers? Even though they cover most of Spain, France, Germany, and all the places that you've already been, Zach, here in Parma, there's absolutely none. And so we came here to electric design company Urban Drive Style to meet their founder, Mr. Ossian Vogel. I interviewed Ossian for some time. We discussed what's happening in Parma. We went in depth about their product, the Uniboat. Comfortable, they're cool, they're easy to ride. Um, the style of the Moak is a very vintage inspired design. The Duo Moak have a demand for weather protected cargo bags which we're just covering with our new dual mode. It's a real cool machine, it's in Berlin right now. And a new upcoming service called Y Taxi. Ossium was a cool guy who had one clear message. The microelectric inability is to reduce car traffic. Ossium then asked whether we'd like to give these bikes a go for ourselves. So we said, yeah, alright. We felt obligated to ride those bikes in the beautiful sunshine for hours and hours on end to make sure that we could give you the best review possible. We even did a power test. It's a very steep hill. I'm going to turn everything off and see whether I can actually get anywhere up there without any power. I'm going to give it the full back. I'm going to give it the full nine out of nine. Fast. For the full interview and our post analysis, please follow the link in the description below. This is Ross and Craig reporting for Tesla Time News. Now you know. 
Yeah, so that was our buddy Ross in Palma showing off a, a Unimoke from Urban Drive Style. We're going to be doing a full review of that bike coming up in August, so mm-hmm. you'll want to check that out. And I love video contributor stories from islands. Islands are the place, it, they're just little microcosms for the world, yeah. right? You have limited resources, you have a small amount of space. Go. And, and maybe Tesla wants to put a supercharger on Palma. They should. All right, so it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. And I want to explain that Patreon is like subscribing to a magazine, okay, that you love. Uh, we're a weekly magazine here on the show, and this is the subscription to get the magazine. Um, and that's how we keep our channel funded. It's it's not a get-rich-quick scheme for us. Mm-hmm. It's how we pay for the salaries and the gear and the stuff that makes this show happen. Um, and it gives you the quality content that you want every week. So if you head over to patreon.com slash nowyouknowchannel, um, you can support this show for as little as a buck a month. And we try and make it as useful to you as possible we have so many good perks and we really front end loaded them to where you get the patreon bonus stories for just a buck a month and you get four patreon bonus stories right every every week you're getting a patreon bonus story so it's like a quarter for patreon bonus stories you can look at it that way but again if you really want to help us and and support this channel and make it so that we can actually do great stuff please head over to patreon and help support us All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories, and it's time for our Patreon shoutouts. These are people who give $5 or more every month to support this channel. They are super duper important to us. Who do we got this week, Jess? We have Billy Gomes, Preston Sammons, Craig Kelford, Mike Relliford, Jonathan Garner at Healdsburg Tours, Dominic Tioseco, Zwitchy Trove Tanaka.cz. Thank you so much for supporting us, guys. Yeah, we couldn't do this channel without you. And you know, your shout-outs are going at the end of the show. You'll be on the end credits. Yep. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week. Jesse, what car does Elon drive? Well, you know, he runs a car company uh, that makes the best cars in the world. So he, dri- so he drives tempted. those cars. I'd be so tempted every day to be like, give me one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I want a red one today. Uh, <laughs> Elon said that he mostly drives the Model S Performance uh, with the the development version of the full self-driving oh. computer, which means that he's not driving these cars, <laughs> yeah. okay? The cars are driving him around. Um, he says that their new Raven powertrain and adaptive dampening suspension is great. Um, next, he drives the Model 3 Performance, which I do not blame him because that car is uh, dope. Um, and then the Model X if driving with his kids. Nice. All right. And uh, we saw what happened last Tuesday when the Starhopper had its static fire test in Boca Chica, Texas. Now, the good news is the test went well. The bad news is afterwards they had a little fire. But Elon tweeted out when Worley said, Starhopper is okay. He said, yeah, big advantage of being made of high strength stainless steel, not bothered by a little heat. And then uh, Martin asked, what happened? Fireball? And Elon said, post-test fuel leak, but no major damage. So the test itself went fine. They did have a little problem after the test, but that was just, I think, methane or something burning off. Right. We talked about Neuralink last week on In-Depth, and TLS Brentine said, kind of wonder if this could one day help people like my wife who suffer from epilepsy. Thoughts? And Elon said, addressing epilepsy is likely one of the more near-term applications. Can you imagine, for throughout history, epilepsy has plagued us i mean caesar had epilepsy right um to finally solve it using technology yeah and it could be closer than we think how amazing is that and that's not the only thing i mean you could solve paralysis with this yeah i know it's it's incredible and i've been asking around like in the mainstream media have people heard about this much and most people are like Neuralink, what 
Right, because it's not covered properly. No. And if you want to hear about it and you haven't heard about it, you can check out our in-depth. We'll put the thing right over there. So in this tweet, new scientist said Chinese space station Tiangong-2 is about to fall from space. And Elon said, this is actually a good thing, by the way. China is making amazing progress in space, rapidly iterating on rocket and space station technology. Great respect. So for just a little background, the Tiangyang uh, space station uh, has been orbiting the Earth for quite a while. Um, it actually goes in the opposite direction of the other space station, hmm. which is why in the movie Gravity, it doesn't make any sense that she's able to go from one space station to the other because uh. it was going in the other direction and like you'd need more fuel than to go back to Earth than to go to the other space station. Whatever. I think it's really smart that Elon is being so nice to China, to China because he, he has a gig factory <laughs> in China. So when he says great respect, that was a very political move. He wanted to get... That was, that was intentional. And our friend from Tesla Tino said, are there already solid plans for a Tesla service center in Puerto Rico? I'm sure it would be more efficient than the current model of sending brigades of employees every few weeks. Plus, sales would grow exponentially. There is currently zero sales tax for EVs in Puerto Rico. And Elon said, yes. I like the use of brigades there. Yeah. That's very effective. Yes. All right, it's time for community mail time. So our friend Marcus in Switzerland wrote to us about a petition that 850 Europeans have signed in just 72 hours asking Tesla to allow older Model 3s to get retrofitted tow hitches so that they can also tow trailers. Now, Tesla claims that European legislation does not allow it. The petitioners, though, disagree, saying that this is not true. They delivered the signed petition to Tesla headquarters in Amsterdam. I can't wait to see what happens, because if they can retrofit... Uh you know, Model 3s with tow hitches. Maybe I can do that with mine. Yeah. Put a little trailer on the back of my car. Well, and speaking of Model 3 trailer hitches, uh, Mike sent us this video of a Model 3 pulling a trailer. That's so cool. And our buddy Todd is driving his new, well, new to him, 2016 P90D Model S. He flew from North Carolina to Phoenix to pick it up, and then he's like, I guess I got myself a road trip. <laughs> so he drove a five-day, 2,500-mile road trip. Congratulations, Todd. He's discovering how awesome it is. And he said at his first supercharger, he bumped into a Tesla engineer who works just down the hall from Elon. Hmm. And that guy gave him some tips on supercharging. Ooh. And I'm like, I want to know what those tips were. <laughs> right. <laughs> and remember last week we talked about an 1898 Riker electric car going up for auction? Well, our friend Chris sent us this video of his uncle Richard driving an 1896 Riker electric car. Richard is the grandson of Andrew Riker, who is the founder of Riker Electric Vehicles Company. Now, Chris tells us that both he and his uncle bought Model 3s last year. Electric cars runs in the family, I guess. Yes, it way, does. Way, way back. Oh, can we just talk about that? Look at that car. Yeah. I mean, I know that it's small. I know that it's like a big man-sized baby carriage, but still, that thing's ripping along. 1896. 1896. And it's still running today. Now, don't tell me that if this car had actually been promoted and we were all driving electrics, that by like the 1930s, we would have had a, a Nissan Leaf. By the 1950s, we probably would have had, uh, I don't know, could have had a Tesla Model Something S. Something with, with some of the specs. Of, I mean, definitely the range. The range was not a problem for right. these Riker cars. So, I mean, it's not we, that hard to do. We would have had our best and brightest around the world working on battery technology and motors and stuff. And we would have had all these things way, way decades ago. We probably would have had smartphones a lot earlier. Yes. We would have had the internet. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we could have had exactly. earlier if we had been working on this technology. Who knows? Yep. 
And also last week, remember, we reported that some highways in Austria now allow EVs to travel at 130 kilometers an hour and limit ICE cars to only 100 kilometers an hour. Well, our friend Andreas in Austria shared these photos of the traffic signs and his Model 3 green license plate so he can go fast. Nice. All right, it's time for our on-air question of the week. What do we got, Jess? So Chris asks, since the main hang-up from the general ICE public owners is charging time, it would be very interesting to see how much time is spent at gas stations over a year period versus electric at chargers for similarly matched vehicles. The numbers should be enormously different. If so, why isn't this a point that Tesla and every other fully electric company is making? We are talking about charging rates all the time, but not overall time spent. It is a huge advantage to not have to stop for fuel during daily commutes. And this is a great point, Chris. Yeah. So, and you say, why don't other EV companies promote it? I think they do, but I think it's one of those things that most people don't hear because it's a detail that you don't doesn't affect you until you actually are living that lifestyle. Right. So, like, I just want to point out, if you're driving an ICE car now, mm-hmm. uh, gas stations are part of your life. Mm-hmm. If you were to explain that to someone when you're buying a car, it would sound like this. So, you're going to buy a new car, son, huh? Right? No, boy, I can't okay, wait okay. to buy so a car. Let me, let me just tell you that uh, yep. every uh, you know few days, you're going to look at that gas gauge, and it's going to get down you know, low, and yep. you're, you're going to have to go like, oh, crap, i got to stop at the gas station today. And you're going to have to go out of your way to find a gas station uh, that's open, because they're not open at night sometimes. Uh, then you're going to pull in there. You're going uh, to have to get yourself to a pump, because sometimes it's full. Okay. Uh, then you're going to have to uh, take out your credit card and pay a lot of money to fill that thing up with gasoline. It's going to smell your hands are going to be kind of dirty. You want to go into the ga- into the uh, restroom, wash your hands off. Then uh, you're going to leave the gas station, and then a few days later, you're going to have to do it again. It it just sounds it sounds pretty insane, right? Um, it's insane. Like it's pretty crazy that we do this. And let me just stress: I haven't been to a gas station in like two and a half years, right. and it's awesome. And yeah, because people talk about the amount of time it takes to charge, but for most of us with EVs, you plug in at night at your home or maybe at, during the day at your work, mm-hmm. and you forget about it. And then when you come out to your car, it's ready to go. It's charged. Right. Right. It's, it's like 10 seconds to plug it in and 10 seconds to put the, the cable back. And and let me tell you, like it, it doesn't take some high amount of technology to be able to to charge your car in an amount of time that is like super useful. Like... I have a 110 outlet, so I'm charging my car like a laptop, and I'm able to get enough range every day to go to work, come home, and have like a little bit more range to deal with without having to go to any other charger. But if tomorrow I were to install a slightly more powerful charger, I wouldn't have to worry about range hardly ever unless I'm going on a long road trip, in which case I have the supercharger network, in which case I'm only charging at the supercharger, which means that I'm only charging for 20 minutes, which means that I... I've just traveled 200 miles. I need to go to the bathroom. But I do want to point out, this is a problem that most people can't wrap their head around. Uh, My father said to me the other day, I'd love to buy a Tesla, but I live in a city and I can't charge my car. And I was like, Dad, we talked about this. You don't have to charge it at your house. You can every few days go to a Tesla supercharger, go shopping for some groceries, come out and your car's ready for a week's worth of driving. Right. It's obviously not as convenient as having home charging, but it is workable it is doable and you know for the home charging thing it is so much more convenient than having to go to the gas station i can't tell you how many times it's like oh man i'm gonna be late for this thing but i really need to get gas i could either go be running on fumes and then have to scramble and find a gas station before like the 
the gasoline in my tank evaporates while I'm at this meeting, or I'm going to be, you know, five or ten minutes late, I never have to worry about that. Right. Anyway, so, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, they could talk about it, but most consumers are just worried about other things first. They don't realize these benefits. It's and, really hard to explain. Yeah, you, and you have to kind of live with it. And once you've lived with an EV for a little while, you become an expert at it, just right. like you've become experts at ICE cars. All right, it's time for the results of our Patreon poll. And last week we asked, did the Neuralink live stream blow your mind? And here's the answers we got. 147 Patreon said, sorry, I can't answer your poll because my mind has been blown out of my skull. 34 said, nope, no big whoop. I've still got my mind. And 30 people said, uh, I'm not sure what it all means. Yeah, well, that's why you should go watch our Neuralink in depth. All right, it's time for supercharged reviews. And remember, everybody, you can go out there and shoot them. But also, if you want to just use them, go to our supercharger map. And any of the superchargers with the little green icon means that we've got videos that you people have gone out and shot for, for you, which is really helpful because you then know some more about that supercharger location. Right. What it looks like, if it looks sketchy or not. And there's destination chargers, which are extremely useful on road trips. You might be saying they charge slow. Again, if it's at a hotel, you could be sleeping. Right. Sleep at the hotel, wake up in the morning. You don't even have to stop at the supercharger station. It's like you didn't have to exactly. wait to plug in at all. Let's see what we got this week. Hey, Zach and Jesse. Here we are at Nanaimo uh, Supercharging Station on Vancouver Island, also known as Lanceville. Uh, they have eight supercharging stalls here. Um, and uh, they have a, a pretty big mall here. You got pretty well everything that you need. Uh, I would rate this supercharging station probably eight out of 10. Uh, and uh, it's right off the highway. Um, and uh, signing off from Nanaimo Supercharging Station, it's Mo out of Canada. Hey guys, it's Las Vegas Jay. I am here at the new Tesla Supercharger at the Link here in Las Vegas. It is the first version three Supercharger in Nevada, and I believe it's the second or third uh, in the world. So we're gonna just take a look here, take a look around. There's 24 stalls and they have 13 destination chargers and they have four in the handicap uh, spots over there straight ahead. And it's literally right under the link. Hello, Zach and Jesse. This is Randy Saxton at the Livonia, Michigan Supercharger. Uh, it's a 10 stall supercharger. Um, it looks like there haven't been that many people here. Uh, that many uh, owners we're the third person and one of them just left so it's um, pretty lonely out here it's a wide open area so pretty easy to get to uh, there's a strip mall behind me well not behind me but the other direction and there's a few restaurants if you look over here we've got an Outback Steakhouse I believe that one is we've got a I'm not sure what this one is but then there's a Culver's in there someplace so you know, a few places to eat. And then of course the strip mall, if you like, uh, what is it? Um, all those different stores back there. So, you know, something to keep you busy. Um, otherwise, it's a nice, comfortable place to be. I'd give it a, maybe a, a six out of 10. So back to you. Thank you so much for shooting those for us. Awesome. Love you guys. 
All right, what do we got for new superchargers, Jess? We have the 20-stall, 150-kilowatt station in West Nyack, New York. We've got the 24-stall, 250-kilowatt version 3 at Las Vegas, Nevada at the Link High Roller. An 8-stall urban supercharger at Riverdale Park, Maryland. Number 678 in the USA is a 10-stall urban in Leesburg, Virginia. Number 27 in Spain is the 10-stall at Guatemala, Spain. Number 468 in Europe, number 1600 in the world is the 10 stall 150 kilowatt in Brignolet, France. Now we talked to you last week about a community projects map that we're starting to put together. Right. So if you are a web developer, right. uh, we said programmer, sorry. We, yes. we don't know what we're talking about. We don't know what we're talking about. We also didn't put a link last week immediately because uh, we didn't make the form until <laughs> after the news came out. Uh, but we've made it now. The link is down in the description. I promise it's there this time. Brent and Bobby, make sure it's there. <laughs> um, if you're a web developer and you would be willing to help us work on, you know, maybe you didn't hear last week, but basically we want to make a map on our website that you can put, you know, people can put a little spot. Like I live here and I am trying to accomplish this task. Right. Right. I am trying to. A, a, a environmental you know, clean up the world kind of goal, like right. put solar panels on a roof or... Um, or, you, or legislation right. in a certain area or uh, electric car chargers yeah, somewhere. Anything that makes the world better. Anything really at all. Um, we want to make a map where great people like you um, can go to visit and be like, oh, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to help that person. I'm working on this thing. Maybe someone will help me. Right. And eventually we'd like it so that you can search. So you can be like, well, I'm searching for people working on solar um, in North America. Oh, great. These people popped up. He's Mm -hmm. near me. I'm going to call him and see, you know, how they can maybe help me or I can help them. Or they're not near me, but I know a lot about this subject. So I'm going to call them and talk to them about it. Exactly. Anyway, if you are a web programmer and you're willing to volunteer some of your time and expertise, go down to our web form, fill it out. We really appreciate it. We'll get in touch with you. And for a past video, because you know, Jesse, we have like 700 of them. Mm -hmm. We're on episode five of our boring autonomous future. It's really not boring, actually, but it's about boring things. But no, I mean... The boring company. Yeah. Uh, That just came out on Saturday. So Mm -hmm. you should go check it out. And the final episode is coming out next week. And it's time for our Patreon giveaway. This is where we give away something to our wonderful patrons to thank them for being patrons. Um, And to get your name into this fun wheel of funness, uh, you just have to become a patron. For every dollar that you give us every month, you get another card in there and you can win some cool things. This week we're giving away an EcoWare t-shirt, kind of like the ones we're wearing now. Mm -hmm. But you can pick whatever t-shirt you want. And who's the winner? I have the winner here. It is Graham Dompkins. All right, Graham, congratulations. You're a winner. We'll put you back in there. You might win again. Yeah, because the cool thing about EcoWare is that we plant a tree for every purchase, and we're up to and, 200. And, 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 on top of the trees. Yeah. We carbon offset the entire yeah. life cycle of the shirt. Manufacturing. From the, from the growing of the cotton yep. that is the shirt. Yep. To the to the making it, to yep. the printing it, to the shipping it to your door. Yep. To, to you, wearing it and washing you it. You wearing it, putting it in the, the washing machine and wearing it throughout the entire life cycle of the shirt. Do you know how many times the average person washes no, their shirt? No, I have no idea. 23 times. That's it? Yep. This is a Swedish study that showed that the average Swede, could be different in other countries, the average Swede wears and washes their shirt 23 times. And I was trying to think, does that mean they wear, wore it 23 times? It's because they don't sweat. That's, Maybe uh, they're like but, dogs. They but I was thinking sweat. about it. Pants, and when right? I first heard that, I thought that sounded unrealistic too. But uh-huh. then I thought about this: you take off your shirt, you wash it, you put it in your closet, 
and then it sits there. For it might sit there for a while. I mean, you're probably not going to wear it the next week because you're like, oh, well, they saw me wearing this last week, so I'll wait a week. And then a week or two or three or four goes by and you wear it again. Hmm. But then that happens again and again. And, and then, then after hmm. a few years, usually you've outgrown it or it's got a hole in it or stain yeah. and, and then you recycle but, it. But we've it accounted it. We've accounted for yep. that in the carbon offset that we're doing on the shirt and then we're planting a tree on right. top of that. So you're super carbon negative. Super carbon negative because, I mean, anytime I want to think about getting anything to be like, oh, this was this is good. I'm always thinking about what is the carbon, you know, price well, for and, it. And you know, when we first started this company and we said we want to be as eco as possible, um, when I heard about having to do carbon neutral and then planting a tree, I was like, oh my God, that sounds really hard. It's not that hard. I mean, it took a little work to set up some partnerships, right. but I mean, every product you buy should be this way. Right. It costs some money because people have to go do these things, do these projects, planting trees and right. stuff, but there are people doing them. Right. And so, yeah, why, why and, isn't everything carbon and neutral? And there's people planting trees at a large scale. If tomorrow you were like, Jesse, would you go plant a tree? Right. I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna, need to, I'm gonna need a shovel. I need to borrow a truck. Uh, I need uh, like some seeds right. for it, I guess, or like a seed. I don't know, I'm gonna have to go look, I'm hunting around. Right, you gotta I'm gonna need research. a watering right. can. Exactly. I'm gonna need uh, some land. Well, and that's the beauty of these, you know, One Tree Planted, which we work with, is that they actually know what they're doing. So when they plant a tree, they don't just say, goodbye. Right. Oh, I put this, uh, put the acorn in the ground. Right. I think I... No, they know what they're doing. It's guaranteed that that tree is going to grow. Right. Like, that's amazing. So, yeah. Uh, so, you know, finding the partnerships wasn't super easy. But once we figured that out, like any company can do this. So if you're a company out there and you're like, oh, that sounds good. Reach out to me. That's what this community projects thing we're talking about is about. Yeah. Like we could make it so that every business who wants to be carbon neutral could be. And that's a great way to market your business. Right. You know, we're a painting company and we're carbon neutral. Like, great. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. It costs a little bit more money. Maybe you charge your customers a little bit more. So what? Right. It's our planet we're talking right. about. It's, like, it's your children, it's your great-grandchildren. Right. And, you know, I, no one speaks for them, ever, it seems. It's no. Just, you know, throughout history, we've just sort of, at some point, emerged and just been like, oh, man. Wow, we're, we're all f***. All right, well, uh, I'm just going to try and make as much money as possible, and uh, and then I'll die. Right. So, uh... Can't take it with me. Peace. You know, like, that was... That was the the mentality from I don't know when. Well, and you know, we grew up in New England where I think we take trees for granted. It's but, true. you know, we used to live in California, in Southern California. There's not a whole lot of trees there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it has a lot to do with the climate and stuff. So I think we don't appreciate enough that trees are super valuable and important. And when you're surrounded by trees like we are right here in the studio, it's very comforting. It's very relaxing. There's been studies done on humans that show that you you repair yourself better. You you're less stressed. You, you have to be get... walking with among the trees. Right. You can't be in a in a room with a bunch of windows. Sure. But like trees, nature, trees that good. is super trees good. good. Sure. And I think we underappreciate the fact that um, you know we've had some comments where it's like, well, trees plant themselves. So why? Who cares? Yeah, trees do plant themselves in a completely natural environment. Right. Sure, those aren't the environments we're worried about. Right. We're worried about places where they've been deforested, where they're continuing to have climate problems and you know there's erosion problems. This is where a lot of these uh, organizations are going, to places where they can actually return the ecosystem to where it should be. Right. Super valuable. What's also super valuable, Jesse, are these people that we're seeing flying yes. by on the screen here. These are our Patreon patrons and they make this show possible. Um, you might be saying like, okay, whatever, I heard it a million times, but no, seriously, like we wouldn't have 
done this long show because do you know what we would have had to tomorrow had to sit down and edit the entire show in a day and then upload it to youtube within a day in just so that way you can all see it. there's three people whose full-time job is to do that in and the, make it fun to watch right and they all have to pay rent they all have you know to pay for transportation to get here and to do that and they all have to eat um, yep. and, and that's it. No fun for them. That's that's all they get. Right. This is uh, paying for them to create this value to the show because you know what? We could make this show and we could do it on like a bi-monthly schedule. So every two months we would come out with a new show and we would record it about two weeks before the show would come out. And so all this news that we would be talking about would be two weeks old and you'd be saying, this stuff's like really really old because we would have spent super long time trying to edit it and we're not good editors nope. so we wouldn't have been putting in the cuts putting in the funny goofy things where my face is overlaid over some guy crossing his arms or whatever like that was all our editors and this show wouldn't it would be pretty crappy yeah i want to give a shout out to bobby brent and jack those three make the show what it is like yes. we're all a team and we work together on this right and you're part of the team because and that's why we're shouting out your names here. Right. It's like, because we're all working on this together because we've heard so many awesome stories about people changing their behaviors, buying an electric car, getting their grandparent to buy an electric car. That all happens because we spread the word. Mm -hmm. And this that's what we're trying to be here is that community hub for spreading the word. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being a part of that. We'll see you next week. Now you know.